from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Jonathan Von Tobel, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, second hour and uh, the final hour for today. Actually, a little bit of short, a little bit of a shortened show here on Cofield and Company. Uh, also, no Cofield and technically no company. It's just me. JVT with you here today, flying solo. If you missed out on any part of the first hour, a reminder, lvsportsnetwork.com already throws up all of the hours and all of the minutes of Cofield and Company immediately after the show. Very quickly, there's a lot of anarchy going on. The problem is I have my internet open um, when I'm doing the show, which usually I can get away with when it's you know not just me. And then I can kind of like stumble into the middle of a question that Steve's asking me and go, huh? Yeah, no, of course, totally, yeah totally listening and here's a nuanced thought on what you just asked me uh, but like another thing has popped up like a candy bracket right and it's got like 16 candies all seated together the other thing that i'm a fan of that people aren't ari mint and chocolate like for example peppermint patties junior mints junior mints were a 12 seed in this bracket absolutely ridiculous especially when you compare it to swedish fish Swedish mm. fish are not a five seed. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Swedish fish are disgusting. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, I wouldn't put them at a five either. All right, let's do it. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So uh, Adam Hill has his weird arbitrary rules of things uh, that you can and uh, cannot enjoy. Uh, the refresher on Adam Hill when it came to peanut butter and jelly, right? Was what? You can't say that you enjoy peanut butter and jelly if you don't regularly eat peanut butter jelly. Is that kind of the correct gist, right? Yeah, and what regularly means is different to different people. I think he said something like, what, like twice a month or some ridiculous thing like that? Something like that. I would say once a month is regularly. You know, I now like I consume more peanut butter and jelly, I think, now at this point in my life than usual, mainly because my son eats peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and they become more frequent. Uh, obviously, when I was in college, like one year, I stayed at the dorms in UNLV um, for sustenance. This is actually like a stereotypical college student story. I literally just bought like two jars of goober and a loaf of bread. And like that's all I ate for like, you know. A good chunk of my time when I was living in the dorm was just like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, goober. You don't have to buy them both. Just buy them all together. Goober, by the way, very underrated invention. I don't know if you've had it. Very solid. I have not, but in my research for this topic, I found out that it was 1968 when it came out. I had no idea. Goober, really? Yeah, I thought it was like a last 10, 20 years type of thing. But Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like 20 years ago, like the, around the same time they invented that. Remember that green ketchup that yeah. Heinz came out with for a while? Right. Gross. I thought it was back then. I guess Goober's old. Uh, I bring this up because apparently, according to Ari, it is National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day. So we celebrate the life of the peanut butter and jelly. Uh, obviously, a very fantastic sandwich. Probably the goat of all sandwiches, next to like a plain turkey or like an Italian or something like that. I don't even know if Italian's a sandwich. It's a sub. We don't have to get into that debate. But regardless, wherever you want to rank them, peanut butter and jelly, one of the best sandwiches of all time. Now, the question is how you eat it. I personally am not a grape jelly guy. I think grape jelly is really gross, so I would never use it. Always strawberry, ride or die. But here's my thing, Ari. One of the more underrated ways to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, hot toast, peanut butter, all melted and hot with jelly on it, 
absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Okay. I could I could see the logic. I'm sure I've had them before too. I, I feel the same way with like just toast and peanut butter generally. Like it's it's pretty good versus just raw bread, but I'll have to try your suggestion out. Now, my big question is I love crunchy peanut butter, but I don't think it I don't enjoy the mixture with the jelly as much. Like I prefer just the creamy for that. Uh, I enjoy crunchy peanut butter. That? No, I enjoy <laughs> crunchy peanut butter as well. The problem with crunchy peanut butter is like on sandwiches, it's tough because it can just destroy the bread. Like oh. personally, I use crunchy peanut butter on like apples, right? Things, okay. fruits that you're dipping it in. I think that's the way you use crunchy peanut butter. Sandwiches, it's pretty tough because that can just wreck your bread when you're spreading it all over the place. Yep. And then it's just anarchy and it's a, it's a massive problem. So we go from something that I think is universally loved to I think something that is universally loved, at least in the city of Las Vegas, first Friday. Today, right? We get a first Friday tonight. Couple first hours. one in a year, is that correct? Yes, sir. In a few uh, hours. And they're sold out. I, yeah, it's sold out, it looks like, huh? So um, first Friday, back in the Arts District. Are you a first Friday type of guy? I feel like you hate first Friday. In no. a normal circumstance. Yeah, normal circumstances. I mean, I'm not going to say I frequent it. I, I probably go about as much as a, a normal person that likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches does in a month. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll, here and there. That's good. Well, I like the vibe. If you go okay. once a month, if you go once a month, you go to every first Friday. That is a great point. So like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm. I like downtown. I'm not there all the time, but I, I do. I like. I like the improvements they made too. Like over the last year or two, it's really cool. So Ari sends this in. I just don't get it. First Friday downtown is back starting today. Already sold out. What's the problem? Like I haven't even had my second vaccine yet and shot yet, and I'm way ahead of apparently ahead of the game. Like I'm talking to a lot of people. They're still just now getting eligible or just now hooking up their appointments. I'm not saying that to judge anyone. I'm saying that was, for me, that I thought that was like the basis of how we're moving forward, how we're deciding now. Vaccine's out, so we're going to slowly kind of make some changes here. I just, yeah, it's it's today. It's done. It's, it's, a, it's a little soon for me, I feel, but hey, to each their own. Get that revenue going into the city, please. Yep. I think that's obviously the positive thing. I think people are emboldened by the fact that the vaccine is out there and circulating. And, you know, many people think that the first one is the the pass. And in reality, you still need the second one to, to get the pass that you're out there and discussing. Um, I'm not going to kill anybody. Like, I get it. It's been a year. It's been a really long time. People are getting fed up. There's probably going to be people out there that are vaccinated and playing it safe. And look, it's an outdoor event. Masks. I will not be eternal lockdowner. I'm down with this. Let the city party. Let the people party, Ari. Okay. I'm just going to say I, I'll wait for Arash Markazi's uh, viral video with a bunch of people without masks and stuff like that. That should be should be great. That wow. That's my concern for the optics like, like it's always been. But yeah, man, go for it. I mean, the optics are every in every single city there's... True. Something. I think we had, uh, you know, there was one time where Steve thought I had a beef with Kurt Heelan because the NBA writer a couple of weeks ago because <laughs> Kurt Heelan sent out a tweet that, uh, you know, players were going to clubs in Las Vegas where nobody wears masks. And it was like, well, that's not entirely true. And there's cities all around the country where people like to shirk the mask rules. I will say, I mentioned this on a, um, I think I mentioned with you guys when I was doing my phone spot last week, California. Went out there, like I I felt like I was doing something wrong by wearing a mask. Like I was so used to it. And again, this doesn't speak to how I feel about the mask. You have no idea how I feel about the mask. I'm just so used to always wearing them. And so when you go out, you put them on. And like I was getting dirty looks for people. 
Oof. I was like getting head shakes and like disgusted like scoffs. And I was like, what? Is this not a rule? Maybe it's not. I don't know. It was an outdoor bar. So we'll see. So Ari, very upset with the people who are going to First Friday. If you're going down tonight, Ari, of course, very mad at you. All right. Now, last thing here, National Football League. Stanford Rout's going to join us in a couple of minutes. We're going to discuss uh, everything in terms of Justin Fields, the battle for the third overall pick, and uh, you know the Fields-Mac Jones dynamic and what he believes uh, Colton Miller and the contract and everything it means for the Las Vegas Raiders. But it sounds like the New England Patriots have made it known what they want for one Jimmy Garoppolo. According to multiple reports out there, Jimmy G, the Patriots hope, will fetch them a first-round pick. Now, I shouldn't say the Patriots, the 49ers, um, will fetch them a first-round pick. Now, I I saw a lot of, (laughs) good luck with that. I want a million dollars, right? I want certain things. It doesn't mean that you're going to get them. And it's very likely that they're going to come off of this and, and trade it up. Right, the return would obviously be larger than what the 49ers gave up back when they got him a 2018 second round pick. But remember, too, the Philadelphia Eagles for a while wanted like a Matt Stafford type package. What they get? They got a first round pick at a conditional second, like or conditional third. Excuse me. Like that's not going to happen. So again, th- this is going to be relatively worth it, right? You're going to put this out there. Teams are going to ha- haggle and barter, but. Jimmy Garoppolo, I would assume, is not going to go for a first-round pick. And we don't even know if he's going to go for go at all because there's thoughts that Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whatever the deal is going to be at the third overall pick, that they might even keep Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of just let him serve as the interim guy before, of course, they move on from him. By the way, I think I misspoke. Uh, a second-round pick and a third-round pick, the conditional second, is what the Indianapolis Colts gave up for when Carson Wentz. All right, all right, really quickly, do my duty. I'm just going to do a caller here. Thumbs up. All right, caller. Caller number seven, 364 You're going to get a two-foot classic sub from Porta Subs, 24 inches, premium meats and cheeses, and all the goodness piled high on your favorite fresh-baked bread. Slam dunk. Order your watch party. Uh, order your watch party subs today. Again, three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Winner's going to get a two foot classic sub from Porta Subs. Caller number seven. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. Eight seven 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 hundred Nova. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. 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 Back here on Cofield and Company, Jonathan Von Tobel going in for Steve Cofield today. Stanford Route, former Raider defensive back. Still nice enough to give us some time today, though. Uh, so there's a lot to get to, um, and I know you're a busy guy, so let's dive right in. And I think, Stanford, the topic I really wanted to start with uh, are these quarterbacks in the NFL draft, but really – it has started already, you know, and I, we, this is a topic we talk about all the time. The the black quarterback and the stereotypes around the black quarterback and Dan Orlovsky front and center uh, already with this. Uh, for those who didn't see it, a piece of the New York Post, uh, he was quoted as saying about Justin Fields, quote, one, I have heard that he is a last guy in, first guy out type of quarterback, like not the mechan- maniacal work ethic. Where is the desire to be a great quarterback? I think that there's a desire to be a big time athlete 
from what is expressed to me, but where is his desire to be a great quarterback? So we get all the stereotypical tropes, right? Doesn't want to be a great quarterback, work ethic, wants to be an athlete. I thought we were past this kind of stuff, Stanford. Like, why is it continuously now with these guys? Lamar Jackson, of course, when he came out, Bill Polian famously saying he should be a wide receiver, and yet we're still here in 2021. Well, I think that, I mean, you got to think of it like this. Like, as long as there is a racial divide, as long as there is racial inequality, as long as there is prejudice, dare I say the word racism, and I'm not saying Dan Orlowski is a racist, I'm not saying that, but as long as those factors, as long as those elements exist in our society, there's always going to be a different way that you perceive this versus that. You look at Christian McCaffrey, fine running back, one of the best in the game. But it took him actually having these historically great seasons coming out of Stanford University, being the number eight overall pick before people actually catch on and say, you know what? He really, really isn't uh, good for a white. He's not he's not good for a white running back. He's a great running back, period. Not white running back, not anything like that. So I think that you're always going to have that stigma of how you view something based on what you're used to seeing versus something now coming in a different color packaging. So I think that it's always going to be some magnitude. There's always going to be some level of that dichotomy. What's your evaluation of Fields overall? Because I want to get to the Mac Jones element of as well. But, you know, 49ers trade up to number three. Rumor is, is that they want Mac Jones, not Justin Fields. What's your evaluation of Fields? Well, I can tell you like this, as far as all the quarterbacks in the draft, I like uh, Trevor Lawrence because he's big, strong, he can run. Obviously, he's got all the tools, but I am not a fan of guys that come out of powerhouse schools because you look at Justin Fields. I remember him in Georgia. He couldn't even get the start over Jake over uh, over from. So that already kind of tells you a little something. He transfers to Ohio State. Ohio State is like an SEC team in the Big Ten. The uh, Big Ten is all about power football, run game, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. The Big Ten is not known for skill guys, but Ohio State always has great skill players at the receiver position, at the cornerback position, things like that. So Ohio State literally walks onto the field, and if they tie their shoes correctly, they win the game in the Big Ten. We all see that Northwestern, Northwestern almost could have beat them in the Big Ten championship game. Northwestern just did not have the players. They just didn't have the outright athleticism. They didn't have the dogs. But Northwestern gave them a nice little run for their money for much of the game. So what I'm saying by all of that is, it's hard for me to evaluate because you're throwing to receivers that simply can run past the corner that's covering them. You don't have to be extremely accurate. Look at Dwayne Haskins, his years at Ohio State. So it's hard for me to really, really judge and evaluate those guys because they're playing with receivers, running back, offensive line that is just simply better than the team that they're playing against. Same thing for Mac Jones. Uh, Him the same way. I tend to believe When you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL, most of them come from the non-general powers. They don't come from Alabama. They don't come from Clemson, typically. Deshaun Watson, obviously, he did. But you don't see them come from the team that they were stacked, and all they got to do is tie their shoes correctly before the ball is even kicked off and they win the game. They come from Purdue. They come from Michigan. They come from Texas Tech. They come from Fresno State, guys like that. So – I'm not of the mindset that I believe 
anybody outside of Trevor Lawrence is going to walk into this league and simply be a success story. Now, anybody that goes to San Francisco, what uh, Kyle Shanahan, that run game, being able to have the play action off of the boot, things like that, the bells and whistles, the motions, the bells and the bells and whistles, the shifts, all of that. I think they're going to be successful in that spot. The Zach Wilson going to the New York Jets until they get their franchise turned around, until they get things right in the front office. I love the Robert Sala signing. Hopefully he gets things right. But I believe outside of Trevor Lawrence, all of these guys from the Mac Jones to the Trey to the uh to the Trey Lance to the Zach Wilson. Uh, everybody else, Justin Fields as well, it's going to be more incumbent upon the team they go to, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the scheme, the players around them of being successful rather than them just simply being that dominant of a quarterback. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about this dynamic now is we are, you know, kind of fields against Mac Jones for this third overall selection potentially is bringing this full circle back to Orlovsky's comments. To me, you know, it's more of an indicator of, you know, poor work ethic, a 45-year-old dad bod, which is what Mac Jones is rocking at this point right now. So, like, I find it really fascinating that, like, there's this commentary out there about fields. I'm like, look at this guy. Look at this guy out here. Well, in Mac Jones' defense, as a quarterback, because it's all about the neck up, the yeah. cerebral, being able to read the defense, decipher everything all within nanoseconds before that defensive end puts you on your back. Because of that, I don't hold it against a quarterback for having a dad bod because that's not really what is needed to be a top-notch quarterback. Now, running back, offensive line, DN, linebacker, corner, yes, you better have like a nice physique. Even if you're a D-tackle, you got to have a nice physique. But if it's a quarterback, I don't really hold it against him because that's not what's needed to be great at the position. I mean, Tom Brady, we all know that he looks like he's aging backwards. We look, we can all tell that him being up there in age is not affecting his play on the field. But let Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers take their shirt off and go to the <laughs> and go to the beach or something like that. They're not gonna wow anybody. So I don't hold it against Mac Jones in that aspect. But like I said, as far as a Mac Jones, you play with a Jalen Waddle, a Devontae Smith, an offensive line who all of them are going to go to the league. You got a Najee Harris in the back end. You got Nick Saban as your head coach. You got Sarkeesian as your offensive coordinator back in the 2020 season. You got a stud defense where you're littered with NFL talent. Well, I mean, unless you're going to go to a team in the NFL where everybody on the field is better than everybody they're going to be going against every Sunday afternoon. You're not going to be able to evaluate him because of the talent discrepancy of Alabama versus Tennessee, Florida, LSU, and every other team on their schedule from this past season. But no, I'm not going to hold the, uh, the dad bod against Matt Jones. So in the last uh, few, I would say, well, like, what a week now since uh, we've gotten to talk to you. The 17th game schedule, uh, of course, is officially ratified. So uh, initial, actually, I'll ask it this way. Uh, anything that the mainstream media or us as talking heads have missed, right, in terms of talking about the 17th game schedule? As a former player, what's the first thing that comes to your mind if you had to play a 17th game schedule? That's complete, that's complete BS. And it's complete BS because, number one, like I've always said, the NFL does not care about safety. They care about the politics of it. They care how it appears. So they want to start this, uh, you know, now all of a sudden, uh, if somebody all of a sudden takes a, a, a huge whack on the football field, now they have the independent 
doctor, the independent medical staff to go ahead and look at them. So that way it doesn't appear that they're in some way uh, uh, partial to one to one party. That's nonsense because they're so worried about the CTE, the brain disease, things like that. You see, Vincent Jackson, he just passed not too long ago. There was questions about whether he had CTE, brain disease. We all know Junior Seau uh, uh, committing suicide. He was uh, also to be found out to have the same thing, brain disease, CTE, things like that. And then you go and add another freaking game. Mm-hmm. You go and add another freaking game. And oh, yeah, by the way, unless you are going to go and redo everybody, not just the people that signed the contract after said day in 2020, unless you're going to go and redo every single contract and then prorate it, that final game, that 17th game of another, of whatever their weekly salary is, add that on to their already salary. Unless you do that, this is complete BS. And it shows that the NFL is more worried about the bottom line the almighty dollar, and they're not in any way worried about player safety in, uh, in the slightest bit. Yeah, and you know it shows too because uh, the rumblings are already out there that this is just the first step toward an 18-game schedule, right? Yes. And, and, so, and talking about this from the player safety perspective, it is nuts. And so here's my here's my thought, and because this has been a topic of conversation for a couple of years, uh, as a former player, what would your thought be if you move to 18 games, you as a player are forced to sit out at least one game for safety measures. You can pick. The teams can pick whatever game it is, but they have to miss at least one game. So you're saying the team can pick or I can pick? I I would think it would be a joint decision. But, yeah, so we'll go with either the player or the team can pick. I still think that's a little bit of BS because I – and 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 I and maybe this is me being an older person. I'm now 37 years old. But, like, I still like tradition. Like, I grew up with my father telling me, yeah, son, the NFL has played – each team has 16 games. Mm-hmm. Now, like, what the hell? Now it's 17, like, maybe one day 18. Like, why can't you just keep it the way it freaking was? There was no problem with it. It wasn't broke. NFL is the number one thing smoking right now in the country as far as sports, things like that. Super Bowl is the most watched event. Now you're moving the Super Bowl back to almost a uh, Valentine's Day. Like, what the heck is going on? So – I don't like that from a traditional standpoint, but also, and here, right here, here's where the fine print is. So if you're a player and you're about to reach an incentive in your contract, one of those Mm -hmm. escalators, if let's say you're a receiver, you hit the thousand yard mark, you get an extra 500,000, an extra million, whatever. And the team is looking on the schedule and all of a sudden, Let's say they got the Raiders coming up. We know the Raiders don't have a good pass defense, but I think it's going to be better. That'll be the game that they want you to sit out yeah. for safety health precautions because it's very easy for you to go ahead and hit that number for your escalator and your incentive. But that's the game that, you know, oh, you know, we're kind of worried about your hamstring. We, we, we don't want you to play that game. So I think you get to a slippery slope when now it's, well, yeah, it's an 18-game season, but, you know, you only have to play 17. You can pick which one you're going to sit out. Or it's a 17-game season, but you can miss one, and, you know, we'll be the ones to choose which one that you're going to go ahead and sit out with. So I think that you're entering a very slippery Mm -hmm. slope. You're opening up Pandora's box for teams to go ahead and try to use that as a precursor 
to not have to go ahead and pay players that are about to meet said incentive, said escalator, things like that. I think it's I think you're getting into a very slippery slope. And from a traditional standpoint, too, uh, like records, right? Like, I think that yeah. that's an interesting type of conversation. Like, all of a sudden, a single-season record with an extra game doesn't mean as much. And I wonder how you would handle that from that perspective. Do you keep the old record book and now start one new uh, with a 17-game schedule in mind? Absolutely. So when you look at the uh, New England Patriots, they went 16-0, and obviously, back in 2007 season. Well, what if a team now goes 16-1? and yeah. Do they now are they tied for the all time uh, single season win uh, win total record? Like, I mean, do they all of a sudden like tie that? I think that if you look at it from a standpoint of let's see, you have a certain uh, let me see who's got the all. I don't even know who has the all time single season rushing record. I believe it's Barry Sanders or Eric Dickerson mm-hmm. or somebody. But now if somebody breaks said single season record, does it have an asterisk beside it because they did it in 17 games versus somebody from the 90s did it in 16 games? Like, how are you going to do that? So you you have so many obstacles. You have so many uh, potential road bumps that'll come up because now you have to go and chunk out a lot of former records, team or just play, player individual records, because now it's 17 games instead of 16. Like, so you got so many bumps in the road that you are now going to be coming into all because <laughs> the almighty dollar and oh my god, we the the America loves football. <laughs> so you know what? Now we got to give him one more Sunday of football. Right. So I think that I think it does more harm than good in the long run. That's funny because I thought Tom from Oklahoma was telling me over the summer that the NFL is going to suffer with all this uh, political stuff. But I think they're doing just fine. I think they're doing just fine. Uh, uh, all right. One more thing with you before we get you out of here. Again, it's a busy day. Stanford route is nice enough to give us some time. Uh, this came down last couple of days. Las Vegas Raiders, Colton Miller, three-year extension, $18 million per year. Within the top five of offensive tackles. See a top five offensive tackle? Let me explain something to you. When it comes to getting paid in the NFL, it's all about leverage and timing. Obviously, Cole Miller, he has not been to a Pro Bowl yet, but he's been he's been up and coming. He's on the upward trajectory. Now, you just got rid of pretty much all of your offensive line. What was it, Gabe Jackson? It was uh, Rodney Hudson. And then you traded Trent Brown, Trent Brown back to the original team of the New England Patriots. So you have to go ahead and now have your bookend tackle. You have to do that. And what what are the chances now? You want to go ahead and lock him up now because let's say he goes and now has a Pro Bowl season this coming year. Well, now he's going to be asking for Trent Williams, Bakhtiari type of money. So in a way, you're getting him a little bit on the cheap, assuming that he's going to keep ascending because if he winds up going to the Pro Bowl this season, you'll look at that like it's a bargain. Now where the offensive tackle economy, where the market has now been reset by a Trent Williams. Again, Stanford Rowell, longtime Raider defensive back with us here, uh, usually on Fridays on Cofield and Company. JBT filling in for Steve Stanford. Thank you for making time today, man. Really appreciate it. All good, man. Y'all be good. Uh, I will. Y'all be safe. Have a happy Easter, and I will talk to you guys next week. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. No Steve Cofield today. John Von Tobel filling in, flying solo. Well, we are getting off there a little bit early, so last 25 minutes before handed off to big ESPN. Remember Paul Howard coming up later tonight. 
as part of the William Hill Preview Show. A big thank you to Stanford Route, who was with us. And uh, while we were talking with Stanford, I uh, did not realize that we did get some news in the National Football League, some breaking news coming down just a couple of minutes ago. The Houston Police Department has made the following announcement on Twitter today. Quote, today, a complainant filed a report with the Houston Police Department concerning Deshaun Watson. As with any allegation, the Houston Police Department is now conducting an investigation and will not comment further during the investigative process. Now, for those who are listening and saying, okay, well, what's the difference? The difference is uh, this civil suit that we're talking about or the 21 others that we're talking about here, they're just that. They're civil suits. Civil suits are not criminal investigations. Civil suits, you need a much lower standard of proof for these issues. Uh, But a criminal investigation and criminal charge is ultimately very much more serious. And as uh, Florio notes in his piece, if criminal charges filed, ultimately have to be established with proof beyond a reasonable doubt. This comes on the heels of news, I think it was Tuesday, that Tony Busby, the attorney that was behind some of these of these civil suits, uh, actually said that he was not going to submit evidence of these wrongdoings to the Houston Police Department. So it sounds like somebody has. Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden has filed a statement saying, quote, we welcome this long overdue development. Now we will learn the identity of at least one accuser. We will fully cooperate with the Houston Police Department. So there's nothing really going on at this point right now, but it is worth noting that now there is a criminal investigation going on as opposed to a lot of these civil suits. And I know there's been a lot of complaints like, why aren't we talking about this? Can't really talk about civil suits. Don't really know what's going on. But this is a, a very, very big development in the Deshaun Watson case as we move forward here. So keep an eye on that and in the coming days, And as we get back from the weekend, no real smooth way to transition to something a little bit more lighthearted. But over the weekend and over the last few days, I do all my days melt together. It's Friday over the weekend. Over the last few days, we got a little something in the NBA. For those who had not seen the story, uh, Michael Rappaport, a actor, comedian, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm going to go into this to let you know and be very forthright here. I am not a fan of Michael Rappaport. That's going to co- probably come out here over the next couple of minutes as we discuss this. But Michael Rappaport comes out uh, with some pretty shockingly, you know, sophomoric, misogynistic, and crappy texts and DMs from one Kevin Durant um, that they were having back and forth. I know that that has been a topic of discussion. The news came out today that Kevin Durant was fined fifty thousand dollars. Now a lot of people will view that as, "Hey, that's the exact same amount of money that Myers Leonard was fined for dropping an anti-Semitic slur," and automatically make the assumption that the NBA thinks that both of those infractions are equal. That's not the case. It's the highest that you can find a player, so that is why they're both equal. It's both the highest that you can find a player for anything in the NBA. So I think there's a lot here. Now. Before we get to the Kevin Durant side of things, let's put some let's put something behind this here. These are the words. This is like this is Kevin Durant. I'm going to let you listen to this audio. This is, I think, childish, sophomoric, gross. We talked about this. Sorry, I'm doing this on purpose. Setting it up. You got the right order. Come on. What are you doing? Looking worried. Just some disgusting commentary from one Kevin Durant that I really can't believe that I'm listening to this. Uh, perfected the fucking language yet? It's called taking you dumb fuck. It's now you fucking tall doofy cocksucker. You take your fucking ass to Dallas and you see if you can fit on a horse. You tall lanky no lip having mother 
That's my bad. My bad. I sent Ari the wrong clip. That was Michael Rappaport complaining about Kristaps Porzingis all those years ago when he got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Let's stop with the pearl clutching. All right. Look, again, I'm not a fan of Rappaport. And what Kevin Durant said, I thought, was, again, pretty childish. It's clear that Kevin Durant is insanely thin-skinned. To challenge somebody to a fight, to tell him to meet me here, calling him a P and a C guzzler and all the things that he did. It's pretty clear Kevin Durant's immature. And it's really clear. And look, I'm not going to act. I don't think I would call people those things that Kevin Durant did. And I get Guff being just a minor public figure, just doing stuff in media and sports media. And I get DMs and, you know, tweets all the time that get under my skin. So I don't know what Kevin Durant gets on a night-to-night basis. I can say that I wouldn't do any of the things that Kevin Durant DM'd to one Michael Rappaport. But for Michael Rappaport to do this, and Ari, I think you feel kind of the same way that I do, right? We just played you that video. Telling Kristaps Porzingis maybe he doesn't have a grasp on the language. Calling him a no-lip mother bleeper. Calling him a, a sea sucker, by the way? Hmm, okay. The implications behind that kind of an insult, right? But Michael Rappaport's going to be the one to come out and clutch the pearls and be like, oh, Kevin Durant, how could you do this? Am I wrong in thinking this? I think this is insanely hypocritical of Rappaport. Again, I am clear. I don't like Michael Rappaport. I think this is hypocrisy at its finest. Shut the hell up, bro. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I actually like Rappaport. He's more from my time. <laughs> you're you're a little younger, obviously. But yeah, I haven't liked anything that's come out of the guy's mouth in like the last six months. And uh, as Steve calls it, Rappaport fatigue. I'm right there with that. Is Steve, I'll ask Steve, is Steve a Rappaport guy? I don't think so, but he was just like, I mean, like him or not, like I'm just so sick of hearing stuff out of him. And I, yeah. agree, I agree. It's all the same. It's yelling and barking. and. But I mean, seriously, like that that audio clip we just played. Like, <laughs> come on. And you're really going to try it. Are you trying to win public favor, I guess? Like what you're when you're outing Kevin Durant like that? Like not to Chris Topps Porzingis' face, are you calling him a dumb C-sucker MFer? Like, come on, bro. Now... The other side of this, because and I think you put this aptly, I don't think Michael Rappaport or Kevin Durant comes out of this looking like roses at all. I think Rappaport looks like a massive hypocrite, and I think Kevin Durant looks like a total D-bag, and his apology, we'll put in air quotes, is absolutely fascinating. I'm sorry that people seen uh, the language I use. It's not really what I want people to see and hear from me, <clears throat> but um, hopefully I can move past it and get back out on the floor. Do you have the gorilla laugh readily available? Like, like, come on. And look, he phrased it properly. He didn't say he was sorry for his actions. He said he's sorry that you saw them. He doesn't care. It's like when uh, when people say, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Right. Or I'm sorry that uh, that, that upset you. I'm sorry I offended you. But I don't right? really care. That's, a, that's always a really good one. Th- that's a ridiculous apology. It's not an apology. He's going to continue to talk like that and potentially DM people like that. I'm surprised we haven't seen even more of some of these DMs kind of like pop up. Maybe we will in a little bit. But I think both of these guys look like complete and utter D-bags. Both of them. There is no way to come out of this positive for either one of these. And again, for those who are out there wondering, 
the $50,000 fine that was handed down to Kevin Durant today is the max fine that the NBA can hand down. So I don't think the league is comping, dropping a racial slur like Myers Leonard did to what Kevin Durant did because there was a lot of that comparison shopping out there today. It's not the case. The league has a system in which they have to follow, and that's the one that they have to follow. All right, we'll come back. We have grab bag before we get out of here. There's a lot more to get to uh, in that regard. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, Ari and I are in on this. I don't think Ari's much of a video game guy, but we'll get his thoughts on a, a new deal that is coming out here in the next couple of days. For all of you people on the Xbox, wow, good for you. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Yeah, for those who are just tuning in, a little bit of a shock to the system. First off, no Steve Cofield, no Adam Hill, no Adam Candy, uh, no anybody. It's me, JVT, all alone, and uh, only two hours today. So tail end of the program. Now, uh, we will have the usual late night pod tonight for those who are interested. Always tweeted out Steve Cofield's account, can Cofield and company as well. Uh, but you can check that out. Willie Ramirez and Dave Koken are going to be a part of that. Do you hear that? Is that actually picking up? Dude, yeah. get out of here. All right, hold on one second. Had to mute my mic really quickly. Uh, a little qu- a little uh, burst of condensed air fixed that problem right away. So make sure you check out the uh, Late Night Pod tonight. It will be Sunshine Man, DC and the Sunshine Man, uh, but the new Sunshine Man will be Willie Ramirez. Get in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, so I have a lot to get to in the next couple of minutes. First off, uh, I want to wish my wonderful and beautiful wife a very happy birthday. She turns 28 today. Uh, she is out in California, so she's not listening to this. So here's my question for you, Ari. Uh, you know, as a man who has known love, uh, <laughs> has known loss, and uh, knows how to take care of these sort of things, oh, I got lucky because her birthday is today. We're not together. Haven't gotten her a birthday present yet. So I get time to take care of this. Should I have gotten her a birthday present and had it mailed out there? Did I do something wrong? I have talked to her multiple times. She does not seem mad at me at all. Technically, she also didn't get me anything for Christmas, so that's fine. <laughs> Did I do it wrong, though? Is she mad at me? She just hasn't told me. Uh, okay, first of all, I'm. you should not ask me. I'm an idiot here in these situations. But uh, my opinion, first off, is I, I would never, like, until you mentioned it, I never even considered the idea of sending something to her. Like, okay. <laughs> which there... There you go. Like, I'm not great with the stuff. But uh, how long have you known that she was making this trip? Oh, I thought you were going to say, how long have you known <laughs> that it's been her birthday? Like, it's for quite a while. <laughs> um, uh, well, I actually was on the trip with her. I, over the last weekend, I went out there to California. She's She went out there for two weeks. You know, her parents have not seen my son for over a year because of the pandemic. So everybody over there has been vaccinated fully. We should note, fully vaccinated. So uh, we decided to make the trip. She's going to be out there for two weeks. So we've known about the trip for a while, and in fact, I was part of it because I went out there. So I've known. So, all right. So my thoughts on this. Uh, I think you should do something when you're together. So that pretty much already kind of solves the problem. And you couldn't do it early. I mean, who celebrates early for the birthday, right? It's very so true. You want to wait till she comes home. Um, I'm not sure how the kid enters into this. If it's like a babysitter thing or if it's like a family thing on a birthday. Because mm. I don't have kids, but... That's that's kind of another thing. Ty- type into the system, birthday sex. Play the song. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, it's in there. It's in there. Oh, I believe type it. Type it in. Let's see. It's a clean song. It's a clean song. I think it just says birthday sex over and over again. Birthday sex. Birthday sex. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know the song. Oh. 
So you got it, right? I got it. Birthday sex. Yeah. It's just another year, girl. Is this your plan? Yes. Yeah, well, you can't send that. Uh, Yeah, so I think that's, I think you're fine on that. Happy birthday. You I don't get know to have what, sex with me. I don't know what to do with that, bro. <laughs> I don't have a That's good job for plan. that. That's going to be the plan. That's going to be the plan. All right, get back in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Now, speaking of things awesome like sex, video games, way up there, right? I'm a millennial. I like video games. You're not, you're, you're 50 teen, so I just, I don't really understand where you're at in terms of the enjoyment of video games. I peg you as somebody who has not played a video game since, like, Sega Genesis Super Nintendo generation. Ooh, you're not far off. Um, I'm a guy that was disappointed just now to uh, find out the news that Super Mario Brothers will no longer be sold. That is my era. Sega Genesis, you're absolutely right. Um, And I was, like, with the PlayStation 1 and 2, I have a wrist issue. And, like, when you play too much, you know, I mean, without an issue, like, when you play for hours... It's rough sometimes, so I, I just kind of had to, like, oh, sell it, boy. basically, and, and move on. But also, yeah, like, I guess I prefer uh, women over video games. But Whoa, oh, wow, just... okay. Well, one of us is married, and one of us has clearly had sex at least one time because he has a <laughs> child, so Whew. let's go. Come on, you're going to throw that in there. And by the way, you are the ultimate wet blanket because, of course, <laughs> it's not video games are boring or anything like that. It's like, I got a wrist issue. You know, I just can't really enjoy the video games. It's, it's the truth. Because I, lo- I, I, like, I do like video games a lot. Like, I like Gran Turismo and uh, what's the Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, after, like, several hours, eh, what can you do? Gran Turismo, that's an old one. Um, yeah, I'm old. So I bring this up because so we've had one of the more fascinating, I think, developments over the last year has been the streaming services and the releasing of movies, right, directly to the streaming services. Uh, for, you know, HBO, as we know, has done a great job, at least for the consumer, where if you are a subscriber to HBO, you get the movies regardless, right? You know, was it Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever the, you know, whatever the ways the names are, are flipped. That movie, Wonder Woman, um, Jesus and the Black Messiah, like all those guys, all those movies uh, that have been newly released, HBO, you got it, you get access to it. I would argue that the way Disney Plus has handled things has not been the best. Uh, you know, my wife and I wanted to see the Raya and the Last Dragon movie, but it's $30 extra on top of the subscription that I already pay for. So screw you, Disney Plus. I'm not watching that movie. But I bring this up because I, I, it's a fascinating development for these companies to experiment with that, the success of it, and what that means going forward. And personally, Ari, I think we have something here in the video game world that is kind of like that, where... For those who don't know, MLB The Show, which is like, you know, the equivalent of Madden, of NBA 2K, uh, it is, you know, the Major League Baseball video game, uh, was largely just a PlayStation exclusive. You only get it on the PlayStation. This is the first year uh, that Microsoft has access to it. It's a game developed by Sony Interactive, which again ties into the tie to the PlayStation. So Major League Baseball, Microsoft announced on Friday that if you're an Xbox Game Pass subscriber, you're going to have instant access to MLB The Show 21, which is released on April 20th, and we'll get to the release date. So what this means is, for those who, again, who don't know, Game Pass is the equivalent of Netflix for video games. You subscribe to it, you pay a monthly mm. fee, and you get a large library of video games that you can just download straight to your thing, delete, play, whatever you want. So this is a brand new game that's coming out, and you get instant access to it if you're subscribed to the service. And I wonder if this is now kind of the future of 
you know, video game entertainment for people. If this is now going to be start to become the norm. Now, I don't know the intricacies of the Sony Microsoft deal and what that entails and, you know, how you work that out from that perspective. It obviously would draw a couple more people to subscribe to that service. But I think this is awesome. And I think what we're going to look for in the future is going to be really interesting. Now, you don't care about that. What you do, of course, care about is the release date of April 20th. So you think it's brilliant that games are released on this date. Why? Oh, well, because it's 420, the uh, annual let's smoke all day long and do what people do when they smoke all day long, which is likely play video games. So, yeah, it makes sense, especially the whole streaming thing. You could literally wake up, start your day by, like, whatever, paying for this, getting your uh, MLB the show, and sitting on your couch for the whole day playing till your wrist hurts. Till your wrist hurts, yes. Ultimate white blanket once more time. Uh, I will say yeah. that I, I hear... I hear that smoking weed and playing video games sometimes is a very hard combination. Allegedly, again, no experience, there's a potential that sometimes you'll smoke and maybe try to play a Call of Duty, for example, and just totally stop paying attention and get completely murked and destroyed by teenagers and have no sense of what you're doing in the video game. Again, that's just hearsay. <laughs> I don't really have any personal experience with that, but it is something that I hear happens very regularly if you're going to do something like that. Now, you are right, though, that just to sit down and do nothing, I'll have to go back. I don't think that 420 is like a normal release date for video games, uh, but I do think that it is something that they should probably think of going forward. There you go. I mean, if it was around the time, like if it was going to be slated for the 15th, then yeah, push it to the 20th. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Last one. It looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a guest host for Jeopardy, which, by the way, 1,000% yes. They had Dr. Oz was going to be on it. Like, what the hell is that? Get out of here on that one, okay? Yeah, Dr. Oz, exactly. Okay, the greedy, yeah, yeah, the nah. fake doctor. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to do a phenomenal job with this. I think Aaron Rodgers is charismatic. He's great. He is uh, one of the better commercial actors we have seen. I get this from Ari. No amount of training could ever be enough for Aaron Rodgers to crush it as a Jeopardy host. How the bleep can you be wrong on so many things, Ari? Well, I first of all, crush it is from the actual headline of the story. So that's why I use that. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I just, it's Alex Trebek. You just can't, you're Aaron Rodgers. You want to see Alex Trebek suit up and uh, play right, quarterback okay. for the Packers? On no, a few but now weeks. you're moving, you're moving the goalposts. Because he watched right? some video footage just as Aaron Rodgers did. Okay. No, 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 no. You're moving the goalposts. Nobody's saying he is going to replace Alex Trebek. He's just going to do a really good job. Okay. All right, we're all done here on Code for the Company again. Late night pod. Check that out. Uh, it is DC and the Sunshine Man, but Willie Ramirez filling in for Steve Cofield. Again, early out today. William Hill Show coming up. Six.